0: You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should too. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of the Innovators Behind Disruption. My name is Raj Lala, the CEO of Evolve, and I'm also joined by a good friend of mine, uh, Amit Monga, actually, I should say Dr. Amit Monga. I always call him Amit. Amit. and I have known each other for a few years now. Uh, he was a managing director at CIBC involved in technology and uh, innovation. And uh, he has a lot of experience in that area of the market, of course, and uh, also has his PhD in mechanical engineering, but definitely focused in on artificial intelligence. So we're going to be talking quite a bit about that and and a number of topics uh, on today's webinar. So listen, thanks, Amit, for joining us. Hey, uh, Raj, thanks for having me. So why don't we start by uh, perhaps you can share with everyone a little bit about your uh, your background.
1: Sure. I mean, I think you kind of captured it nicely. uh, Mechanical engineer by training. Um, And then did my PhD in uh, mechanical engineering as well, but really focused on artificial intelligence applications and machine learning applications. Uh, And I really kind of, you know, zeroed in on an application of this area called genetic algorithms for reliability based design which now today is very relevant to some of the stuff that we're gonna talk about in infrastructure. But in terms of the career, I've spent time in venture capital, uh, and then uh, also have started two software companies. And then uh, most recently uh, spent, you know, for the past 15 years in investment banking, focusing primarily on technology. So software uh, and IT services. So primarily covered all the large cap, uh, technology uh, names in Canada.
0: So why don't we why don't we start with infrastructure? Because I think it's 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 a really interesting area that a lot of people don't necessarily attach technology to because they automatically think of things like bridges, airports, um, roads when they think of infrastructure. But our infrastructure has changed a lot uh, because of technology. Things like data centers, cloud computing; those are all examples of today's infrastructure. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you've seen that entire industry evolve?
1: Uh, No, that's actually excellent, uh, Raj, because I think a lot of times uh, people have a hard time understanding what infrastructure is all about. And obviously, infrastructure has evolved. But let me kind of establish first um, the definition of infrastructure and maybe perhaps create a framework for a discussion. And then you're gonna see over time, as we talk about this, how all that is now technology enabled. So if I was to really go back and talk about what infrastructure is, you know, from a core definition point of view, it's really uh, a set of fundamental facilities and systems that actually are serving a country or a city or a region that are absolutely critical for its economy to function. Um, so going back to some of the uh, you know, the areas that you identified, so infrastructure is composed of public and private physical structures uh, such as roads, uh, railways, bridges, tunnels, water supply. But then on top of that, now you also layer electrical grids and telecommunication, which is very, very critical. And there I would also include internet connectivity, uh, and uh, you know, broadband access uh, as well. And as you probably can, you know, understand like how important infrastructure is today. As we talk about you know the future, which is going to be around connected kind of you know roadways that are talking to each other at you know in real time tracking our you know uh, what is the traffic and where do we have issues and proactively kind of addressing it. The autonomous cars, the whole. Infrastructure is now becoming what we call smart infrastructure. Yeah, and, you know,
0: I would say as an extension to that, um, where do you see kind of the adoption changing for technologies pre-pandemic and post-pandemic? Because when the pandemic kicked in, uh, a lot of people started to learn more about the technologies or demand the technologies that they weren't necessarily using before, for example, this, a lot of people were never using video conferencing uh, prior to the pandemic, or if they did once in a blue moon, now uh, it's become a part of our daily lives. Um, Other areas like cloud computing, cybersecurity, obviously became very important during the pandemic. Do you look at pandemic as kind of creating that shot in the arm for adoption? Are there areas of technology that you think were um were only used during the pandemic or and are not going to be
1: adopted uh long term sure no i think that's an excellent point because there was pre-pandemic then there was during pandemic and then there is now life post-pandemic kind of a thing right so maybe if we kind of divide that into into three areas and it's very interesting uh you know how some of those things have kind of impacted so Obviously the easy stuff, let's start with the easy stuff, video conferencing, you know, work from home now. Uh, just talking to a friend of mine who just got a job. And the first question I asked him, Is it, you have to work from the office or can you work from home? And he said, Oh, actually, it's going to be three days in the office and you know, two days at home. But as you know, you know, you work all the time kind of a thing. So right off the bat, the ability to provide that very critical infrastructure around broadband becomes super critical. So back in the day, you know, we talked about these different plans in terms of uh, you know, how much kind of bandwidth do I need in the house and then you know how much data should I have unlimited data or not? Now it's a given. You've got to have unlimited data, right? So that's kind of number one. So that's from a service provider perspective, but from a government infrastructure point of view, they need to kind of make sure that they have partnerships with telcos so that we actually have that foundational priest to kind of deliver that. So the second thing I would talk about is actually this is very interesting. Um, a lot of the smaller towns, when they started kind of attracting you know, people from the city because of uh, affordability issues and so on, I was talking to one of the mayors of a smaller town, and he was mentioning that one of the things they need to kind of work on is upgrading their water treatment system. So for example, there are more and more people now going into these smaller towns, so they need to kind of upgrade that, they need basically need to expand the facilities. So that becomes all of a sudden like, you know, a residual kind of effect that needs to kind of be incorporated. Uh, into our kind of modeling. Uh, The other thing is around how do we define kind of, you know, roadways going forward? If we're going to have more and more, uh, you know, electric cars and smarter cars, do we still need the same number of lanes? Um, You know, in the future, will we have like dedicated lanes, for example, for transportation, uh, you know, where there are these autonomous trucks we have that in Germany, for example, where the trucks are going back and forth from destination A to destination B on a straight kind of line, if you will. Uh, so a lot of those kind of things will now start coming into play, and it becomes more and more critical for the planners to kind of think ahead uh, around that. And then around uh, smart kind of infrastructure, there is a component that I've, that's very close to my heart is around smart grids. So how do you kind of make sure that these different regions and areas are now kind of, you know, have resilient power available to them? So whether it's kind of, you know, solar battery um, or kind of, you know, how do you store some of this information uh, like uh, energy, uh, you know, so all that kind of becomes a very, very critical kind of piece as well. So you mentioned
0: government in that part, you mentioned autonomous cars. We have an ongoing bet internally as to when we will actually have self-driving cars on the road. What's your what what's your theory? When do you think we will actually see them in Canada? Like truly operational and legalized?
1: I think we started seeing some pilots of kind of autonomous yeah. cabs already in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some videos on social media. It's incredible. Uh, You know, uh, I think my I would say in the next 10 years, like I think this, the there would be no thing like, you know, it would we would just assume that autonomous is is going to happen. So I think when you in, in the future or you have a ride sharing app that you kind of pull up, you will be able to see that whether that's with a driver or without a driver. And I would say 80 percent of the time that would be basically autonomous. That's kind of my prediction. And you talk about 10 years, but I would say that that will start happening sooner than later. Yeah, when we launched our you know
0: that we launched a cars ETF about uh, well, just under five years ago. And the ongoing, my daughters were nine years old at that time. And I remember saying to people that I think that by the time they're 16 uh, that they won't need to drive. They won't need to go and get their driver's license.